Church and welcome to another roundtable discussion. This week we're going to be talking about the doctrine of missiology. As we've been going through this napkin theology series, this is kind of the, I guess, the capstone or the the end stone right. of the uh, series. And um, and so you may be asking, you know, what is missiology? And we've brought in an expert on the subject. So joining us today <laughs> is Chris Dewelt, professor of intercultural studies at Ozark Christian College, um, and. In short, that means he's the professor, one of the professors of missions at Ozark Christian College. And so Chris is here to help us uh, understand this uh, topic. Thank you, Chris, for being here. Thanks, Ben. I'm glad to be here and hope that I can be uh, of service to you and to the church there. And uh, grateful for a time to, to share my heart on missions, a big subject to me, of course, and uh, uh, very important, I believe, to... Um, to what God is doing in the world, seeing what He is doing, and being aware of those things, and uh, and showing interest in His heart for the nations. So, be happy to share however I can. Absolutely, we're certainly uh, appreciative of you being here and sharing your time with us and and for our church. Um, so. Uh, <clears throat> Going ahead and getting started, uh, this last week of this napkin theology uh, series that we've been doing, uh, Ben is actually kind of uh, concluding the uh, series and talking about uh, missiology and what that means, um, uh, both for God's kingdom uh, as a whole and for what that means uh, here as a church locally. Um, but so why don't we just kick off right there and uh, even talk about what do we mean when we use this word missiology? So. Mm. Uh, what is, how do we define uh, missiology? What does that word mean? I don't know if, uh, Chris, maybe you have some thoughts that you want to kick us off with uh, to begin. But Yeah, sure, Jared. Um, missiology sounds a little complicated to some <laughs> people. It's like, man, I'm not sure, is that about anything Christian or what is that about? But uh, the idea of missiology is simply, very simply, the uh, the story, the development, the, the thought of uh Christian mission itself and what that is about and what the expansion of God's kingdom into the world and how that's happened historically and what is uh, uh, what has that been and what where is that going and and so with my uh, my studies of missiology I've I've found them to be incredibly uh, energizing because it it puts us in connection with God's heart in very real ways and uh, to me there's two basic elements to missiology uh, First of all, is is a biblical understanding of God's heart. I think we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Uh, God's heart for the nations, especially as seen in Scripture, obviously. And then, along with that, is a proper understanding of of a human what human beings are, you know, and how they work and how God has made us. Um, the way I like to say this, oftentimes, is um, a better understanding of God's heart for the nation and a better understanding of God's world uh, and who what is a part of God's world in terms of human human beings. And uh, bringing those two together, I think, gives us a very uh, holistic understanding of, of mission and what missions are about. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of a starter there. Missiology is um, the study of missions, specifically Christian missions. But uh, it unpacks, unfolds, it opens the doors to all kinds of things. With me, missiology is like walking down the hall, and there's doors all along the hall, and you can go in here, and you can go in here, and you can go in here, because it just leads to lots of uh, deeper understandings of who God is, what he's been about, and what he continues to be about, and where all this is going. 
No, that's good. I appreciate that. I, I like how you brought up. Uh, I think that's a really good analogy. Even when we know what uh, missiology is, it's uh, like as you said, it's a it's a simple concept. We're really talking about missions, and yet it's very multifaceted as we look at missions. Um, you know, historically, as you mentioned, um, you know, where has missions come from? Uh, what has been God's development of mission throughout history? But also, um, kind of a picture of uh, where we're going from there. So I, I appreciate that. Ben, would you have anything to add to? Yeah. Uh, I think um, most of our understanding of, well, all of our understanding of missiology comes from the Bible, but the uh, foundation piece of it is the Great Commission, where Jesus says to his disciples, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so it was this mission, or the great commission, that Jesus gave us to go and accomplish in the world. And uh, the rest of the New Testament unpacks that, but that's kind of the, that's what we're discussing here is yeah. the going and the sharing of the gospel amongst the nations for the glory of God. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. before we get into some, or sorry, Chris, were you going to add something there? Or no? Yeah, I think that's a great way to say it, Ben. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about Great Commission texts and things like that here in a minute. But the uh, the whole thought of um, you know you have theology, obviously the study of God, and then you have anthropology, the study of humanity of mankind. And when you bring those two together, I think you have missiology, which is God's interaction with mankind and where all of that is going. And uh, to me, it's like um, seeing his heart for humanity and understanding how human beings function. Uh, putting those two together is incredibly powerful. So, yeah, yeah and, good and, stuff. And this might be deeper than we even want to go today, but I'm going to go there. Um, a few weeks ago, we talked about the incarnation, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. what you're talking about, Chris, is a lot, is a lot of a lot yeah. of what the incarnation is. It's it's the study exactly. of man and the study mm -hmm. of God in Jesus, who yeah. is fully man and fully God. And so, the incarnation of Jesus is is lived out. Be, because we know, and what we talked about is the incarnation of Jesus was God's mission to the earth. He 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 came yeah. to us to save us, and then that that idea of God coming to us to save us is lived out in the church. Mm -hmm. Then going and coming to people to bring the gospel. Yeah, no, that's really really good, and I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's too deep for us all. I think that's the that's the whole point. In fact, that's yeah. uh, kind of been the whole. Uh, this is really the apex of where we've been going for really this whole series as we start out mm -hmm. um, with you know who is God and the nature of God and what He's done to save us, but then what that looks like as we live that out um, both mm -hmm. in community with each other that we talked about this past week and how we live the sanctified life. But now, what does that mean as we are um, on mission or living out God's yeah. mission in the world? So no, I think that's um, I think that's perfect. Um, if if I could, I, I'd like to before we get too far in to it, um, just so that we have um, kind of a basic, um, I don't know, foundational starting point. Uh, Chris, you kind of alluded to this, and, and you talked about this as well, how um, really the, the Bible is our foundation for understanding missions, uh, really. I mean, we can look back historically and see how this has unfolded, um, but even that really is based off of our understanding of um, God's uh, 
commission, um, God's uh, mission of what he's doing throughout all time. So um, you mentioned the Great Commission, but I would say, uh, just to throw this out there so that we all have the same starting point, um, what really is then the biblical understanding of missions? Um, and we can talk more about the Great Commission or other passages, but um, what really is the, what, what's the biblical definition or understanding of missions? So I don't know if either of you want to kick us off to, uh, to get going, but, um, or, or yeah. you, you talked about the Great Commission. <laughs> Where would you lead off from there? Right. Uh, well, yeah, the biblical definition of missiology or missions itself is found in the clear words, like Ben said, of Jesus gave to his disciples in Matthew 28, and they go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. And, uh, and I'm going to come back to that word nation in a little bit, but uh, um, this is between his resurrection and his ascension, you know, and uh, so it's like a critically important time in our own story uh, with Christ. And uh uh, most Christians, you know, know about the Great Commission. It's like, yeah, I've heard that before. But what a lot of Christians don't realize is the fact, and I didn't realize this for many years, is the fact that it's not just simply Matthew 28. Um, between the resurrection and the ascension during that 40-day period, there are at least five different iterations of Jesus' call to his disciples to take the message and to go with it. And they're found in all four Gospels, in, in Matthew 28, uh, in, uh, in John 20, in, in Luke 24, in, uh, and in Mark 16. You find different iterations, and you find it again in the opening words of the book of Acts, in Acts 1-8, where Jesus said, you know, uh, you're to be my witnesses uh, to the nations, the ends of the earth. And so five different times uh, this is spoken of, and you think, you know, okay, what Jesus is going to say between the resurrection, I mean, like a great big deal just happened, and a great big deal is just about to happen, even though the disciples didn't know it. Right. And literally the very last words he gives to them as he just seconds before he takes off into heaven is go, you know, go be my witnesses. Uh, take, take the, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and you're going to do this. And so it's so powerful um, that uh, God does it that way and that, the Lord emphasizes it. And typically, though, we get stuck back there on Matthew 28. Matthew 28 actually happened. I mean, uh, yeah, Matthew 28, Great Commission passage actually happened up in Galilee. Some of these texts were spoken immediately after the resurrection when Jesus appears to the disciples in Jerusalem. This one is spoken, Matthew 28, up in Galilee. And then Acts 1 is when he's back down, uh, walking out of Jerusalem toward Bethany and ascends into heaven. So there's not just... Those five times aren't just like different different ways of telling the same thing. It happened different times during that period between the resurrection and the ascension. So I think it's like God saying, like, "Hey, this is important to me." And uh, so, um, yeah, the biblical definition I think uh, involves taking the gospel uh, to the nations, which is God's heart. And then that's connected back to what um, is made clear in another part of Scripture that a lot of times we just attribute to you know god doing stuff with the jews the old testament mm. when in fact uh, god makes it clear throughout the old testament his heart for the nations and his desire for all humanity to be redeemed back to himself and uh, especially in the psalms and in isaiah and many many other places um that uh, we can see his heart was there for the nation this and most especially and i'm sure ben's talked about this before but the calling of Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 12, which is sometimes called the Great Commission of the Old Testament, 
um, not just because it's about the Old Testament, but it's about God's heart all the way through Scripture. Yeah. Uh, going back to just after all the stuff that happened in the opening 11 chapters of Genesis and then arcing all the way into the Re- book of Revelation, mm-hmm. um, that to the degree that Paul calls it uh, in Galatians, you know, preaching the gospel in advance to Abraham, uh, what was spoken of, and I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and you're going to be a blessing to the nation. So tons of stuff in there about, you know, the biblical definition of missiology. We can see it rooted in the Great Commission text, but it's far bigger than that. That's like the, like you said a minute ago, the apex of it. It's like the the crystallization of it. And uh, But God's heart for the nations is clearly visible throughout uh, scripture. Yeah, no, I'm really glad you brought that up, especially, um, it, you know, when we talk about the Great Commission, like you said, oftentimes we run to, of course, Matthew 28, because that's the, um, maybe the, uh, maybe the clearest uh, uh, version of what we have, and then, of course, uh, Acts is very clear as well, but, um, but that message is all throughout Scripture, and it doesn't begin, like you said, in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oftentimes people talk about uh, the Old Testament. We talked about this a few, t- a few weeks ago um, when we were talking about, you know, the, the canon of Scripture and, the, and God's big narrative uh, that's, uh, that's yeah. Old Testament and New Testament. It's, this, it's the same story. Um, but oftentimes people tend to approach the Old Testament and the New Testament as two different things, as if, yeah. uh, you know, the Old Testament is, you know, the God of Israel and this is all about the Jews. But then now all of a sudden in the New Testament, um, because Jesus uh, died for all, now all people are able to come into the, uh, yeah. into the body of Christ, um, which really has is, is never been the case. You know, you go back um, uh, when you look at, I believe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess this up or misquote this. So, so correct me uh, if I get this wrong, but I think it's in... In, uh, is it in Genesis uh, 17 when God gives the covenant to Abraham of circumcision? Um, mm-hmm, 17, yeah. I believe. And in that moment, um, you know, he's giving this covenant of circumcision, which is for the Jews. And yet, even in that covenant, um, God also says, and for the foreigner, for the foreigner who resides among you, they also are to be circumcised, and they are part of this covenant as well. Um, and every uh, every instance, every uh, major junction you go along through the Old Testament, um, you see God's heart not just for Israel, but for all nations. Like you said, you know, we're going to be yeah. talking next month about. Uh, we're going to be doing a series through the book of Jonah, um, you know, this reluctant, Spoiler alert. reluctant prophet. Yeah, sorry if we spoiled that for us. <laughs> oh, us, but, there you go, man. Um, but yeah. we're going to be doing a series through the book of Jonah, and in that, you know, this um, prophet, which is, uh, uh, you know, very different uh, than most of the rest of the prophets we read because it's in narrative form, and Jonah is sent um, not to his own people, but Jonah is actually sent to this great city of Nineveh, and I love how the, the emphasis of this book is really on God's heart for all nations, not just the Jews. Yeah. And so... You know, missions or God's um, God's heart for everybody coming into the family of God isn't just a uh, isn't a new concept. Um, this has yeah. been God's plan and God's uh, design since the very beginning, and we see that all throughout Scripture. So uh, I'm really glad yeah. you uh, brought that up, Ben. What would you What would you uh, yeah. tack on to that? Um, and, you, and you alluded to this, Jared, but uh, a few weeks ago you preached a sermon, and then we talked about um, the redemptive lens of the Bible, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so <laughs> it begins: God creates the heavens and the earth, and He creates humanity, and then, in short, humanity humanity falls. And then the Bible ends with this new heavens and this new earth. And really missiology is the study of, okay, how, how does that happen? Like where, how, yeah. what's the story yeah. and where does that go? Yeah. And, yeah, um, so. and so you have the Bible and you have this, um, this story that kind of ends with, um, 
the the apostles um, sharing in, uh, the gospel throughout the world, and then it, the end of the first century, and then it ends. And then you have this allusion to this prophecy, this revelation in the book of Revelation, um, that the earth is going to be made new. And then you got like 1,900 years until now, and we're still waiting for Jesus to make stuff new. And, mm-hmm. and, and the study of missiology is how is he how is he using his word and how has he been throughout history and how is he now using us mm. to accomplish <laughs> this end of setting the world right? Yeah. And so yeah. the biblical definition is, well, it's the Bible yeah. and it's what, what God's doing now, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's just, just the Bible. In it's a nutshell, story. It's, it's the Bible. Yeah, there you go. It's, it's the story of what, you know, it's the story of yeah. God and the story of us. No, no, that's great. I, yeah. uh, I think that's, uh, I think it's great. Um, well, so then kind of moving forward to get then, um, so why is, if this is really the whole story of uh, you know, the Bible, if this is um, you know not just a New Testament thing, this is really the whole story of Scripture. This is um, what God is doing throughout all of history. Um, why is mission so uh, important to God? Um, you know, because we talk about things, uh, and, and this is true, um, but I think it takes nuance and, and better understanding. But we talk about how, you know, God is uh, completely uh, self-sufficient, um, you know, in himself. He is not in need of anything else. God doesn't need us, um, you know, in a sense. So why then is um, God uh, apparently mm-hmm. maybe spending so much time and energy isn't the right mm-hmm. way to explain it when we're talking about God, but but uh, why mm-hmm. is there so much emphasis and focus on uh, mission? Why is that so important to God? So mm-hmm. what, what do you guys think? Yeah, I can uh, chime in here. I'd love to unpack that a little bit. Uh, yeah, this has everything to do, I think, with God's, what I like to refer to as God's heart for the nations, mm-hmm. you know, and what that means. And uh, which, in my way of thinking, leads to another interesting question. There's a couple of questions we can ask here that can help us, I think, with thinking about this. One is uh, the question, who was the first missionary? And uh, probably better to set it up in a context where we're not already talking about God's heart for missions. But who, who was the first missionary? And typically people say, well, Paul, or, you know, and then they start thinking, well, Jesus, really. And then, well, I guess you could say, you know, Jonah and others, you know, were missionaries of a sort. And then you, you keep moving back, get to Abraham, Moses, so forth. In reality, the first missionary was in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, where, um, where God goes and, and, you know, tied right into that. Another very interesting question is a question that God himself asks as he comes into the Garden of Eden after the fall. Immediately after the fall, it's like he didn't wait around, you know, and, and uh, he goes and supposedly and unfortunately you know our mental capacity here to grasp what's really taking place is severely taxed because of the nature of it the grand the grandeur of what all this is about but god looking for adam and eve you know asking the question adam where are you Hmm. and uh that's like one of the most haunting questions of all of time and history Hmm. adam where are you and the and deeper beyond just the surface of that question is the obvious understanding of God and who he is and his divine sovereignty. It wasn't a question asked out of ignorance. It was a question asked out of really out of concern or out of a a desire for Adam to understand what his heart was, what God's heart was for Adam and all that Adam is about to represent, all of humanity. 
that God literally comes and God is the first missionary. God goes into the garden. God goes out of his own context into Adam's context and calls him. <laughs> and uh, it's so powerful. And oh my goodness, it's like, how did I miss that before? That God himself is the first missionary. And so when it comes down to, uh, you know, the fact that Adam and Eve had just done what God specifically asked them not to do. And he didn't just say, one on the one hand, he didn't say, okay, game over, you know. Neither did he say, uh, hey, it's okay, no harm, no foul. He comes and and he actually uh, pronounces judgment on them and at the simultaneously offers the hope of redemption uh, through the, uh, the uh, crushing of the serpent's head and through the the prophecy made about what is about to happen and obviously extends uh, life itself for human beings to be able to to have this redemption. I mean, it's, it's such a significant thing that takes place in the garden. And uh, God being the first missionary should not then surprise us, you know, uh, that Jesus would come along in Matthew 18 and say that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. It's exactly what God was doing in the garden. And it, it uh, or that, you know, Luke would dedicate an entire chapter, Luke 15, to the lostness and what that signifies, the lost coin and sheep and son. Mm -hmm. And the whole heart of God is just continuously being expressed. And the, the thing that really stuns me about this is that, like you said, Jared, he doesn't have to do this. It's not like it's required of him to come and save us. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not incumbent on him <laughs> For that to happen, he is, this is John 3, 16. This is so many different things of God's heart uh, for us. And uh, so it should not be surprising. And you can kind of follow my Trinitarian thinking here of mm -hmm. God, the mm -hmm. Father in the garden, Jesus, the Son, pronouncing, you know, I've come to seek and save the lost. And then the Holy Spirit propelling the church in the direction of mission. Um, this this should not be surprising at all. You shall receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses, Jesus said in Acts 1 8. And so it's like, okay, <laughs> is there any doubt about the Father and the Son and the Spirit's intention in this? And the fact that we get to do this is a privilege beyond our understanding, you know, that we get to do things that are eternal. And not only that, that we're going to be the ones that do them because, you know, like the instances in scripture and in, uh, in the new Testament where salvation is being announced to like, for instance, Cornelius, Hey dude, you need to go find this guy, Peter, cause he's got stuff to tell you. We've been given the, the privilege. I hate to use the word task. Cause that seems, sounds almost onerous, you know, sure. but, but the privilege of uh, doing things that matter for eternity. Mm -hmm. Oh man. I can get jazzed about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, that's great. You know, one of the things, uh, as you're bringing that up, one of the things that kind of reminded me of, you know, as we were talking about Scripture and how we see Scripture um, a few weeks ago, I think it was actually one of the things that John uh, Carer brought up, uh, is, you know, as we look through Scripture, one of the things that's helpful for us to do is step back and say, you know, what does this teach us about the character of God? What do we, um, uh, you know, especially when there are passages, oftentimes you get in some, you know, Old Testament passages or some of the prophets or some of these strange stories and you're like, okay, what does this, what does this have to do with me? Or, or I don't even understand this. Where is this going? Um, 
but for us to step back and say, okay, what does this actually teach us? Um, mm. uh, not just about some historical event or something like that, but what does this teach us about uh, who God is, about the nature and character of God? Um, and as we see uh, there in Genesis, um, and not just in Genesis, uh, where God you know, steps out and God is the first minist- uh, missionary, but as he mm. sends his son Jesus, as he uh, works through us, through the Holy Spirit, as uh, you know, God continues to be this missionary, one of the things that just continually comes back to my mind is that um, uh, you know, why is this important to God? Um, because mm. this is uh, who God is. This teaches us something yes. about God's character and about God's, yeah. uh, God's love. He doesn't have to do this. Right? God yeah. doesn't you know, need us for his entertainment or his servitude mm. or something like that. God is completely and totally self-sufficient. God doesn't need mm. us for anything. So what does it teach us about God that missions is so important mm. to him? Um, I think it shows us a lot about the very nature and character of God and his mm. tremendous uh, love and initiative. And uh, I think that shows us uh, a lot about uh, about God's nature. Mm. So anyway, that's that's the yeah. thing that's kind of, I think, is astounding for me. That's uh, great. Is, yeah. uh, is what we yeah. learn about God. So I don't know, Ben, what would you, uh, what would you yeah. add to that? I, I think it's easy to miss if you're not looking for it, but you would be hard pressed if you spent some serious study in uh, the new, especially the new Testament, but like you alluded to Chris, the old Testament, um, you would be hard pressed to not find on the pages of scripture. It just dripping with God. Like you said, God's heart for the nations. Um, Mm. You know, I read the great commission and you know, that comes at the end of the gospels, but even throughout Jesus's life, he interacts with like people who are not of his people, not of Mm. the Jews. Um, And and then you get into the book of Acts and and there's this, there's this moment at Pentecost, but right before Mm -hmm. Pentecost, like, right before Peter like starts preaching, it lists off all these people from different nations. And then you go through Mm. the book of Acts and suddenly like Peter has this dream and this, this Mm. Roman centurion wants to come to Christ and he's not a Jew. And, and, but but God gives him this dream of, you know, don't call anything impure that I have made clean. And then you get through and the book of Acts is just dripping with, you know, Paul goes out and and he, and he reaches the nations. And then, you know, you get, you get all these epistles from Paul and from Peter and from John and from James and from um, yeah. whoever I'm, you know, missing. And and they're dealing, uh, many of them, much of it is dealing with how do these Jews and how do these Gentiles get along now that they're brought into the faith. And oh, then yeah. you get into the book of Revelation and you look at this picture of heaven in Revelation 5 and God makes sure to mention that there are people from every tribe, tongue, yeah. people, and language. And then Revelation 7, like, has, an, go and read it for yourself. I don't know if we have time to read the whole thing today. Chris made me memorize it in class. Um, and, and, and it just lists off all of these nations. And it's like it, 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 the pages of scripture are dripping with God's heart for the nations. And, and that's good news that God has a heart for the nations. Yeah. Because if God didn't have a heart for the nations, then yeah. all three of us wouldn't know Jesus. And all three of us would be without hope. Um, well, yeah. uh, I, I, I may be a little Jewish, like, uh, by bloodline, so I may be okay. But um, I'm just kidding. Um, but but there's this idea that, like, that God, you know, if God doesn't have a heart for the nations, then then the, the, the Anglo-Saxon people that we are descended from wouldn't have heard the gospel, and, and, and they wouldn't have gone to Europe, and it wouldn't have come to America, and, mm-hmm. and, and we, wouldn't, we wouldn't know Christ. But because yeah. God has a heart for the nations, it was brought to um, 
it was brought everywhere to the to the Jews, to the Gentiles, to the barbarians, and and now and now we can know Christ. And so, yeah. not uh, failing to dive into the study and not see uh, God's heart for the nations uh, mm. means that you are taking for granted the gospel <laughs> and the heart of God that led you to have the opportunity to come to know Christ. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. One other, uh, one other thing that I think about this that, um, you know, as we talk about missions and why this is important to God, and, and I, I think this is kind of a two-sided thing because we can go too far on one side and, and uh, emphasize something or maybe get the wrong picture, um, but in missions, um, God is glorified. Um, and the, we magnify and we glorify the God, which is really our purpose in existence is to worship and to glorify God. And so that happens through missions, because as we continue to, um, you know, expand God's kingdom and more people come into the body of Christ, um, God's glory is only magnified all the more. Um, now mm-hmm. the, the, I can hear some of the, you know, the, not the critiques or, or whatever, but then, um, uh, for that, for some people to say, well, then isn't that like self-centered um, for God to say, well, I want more people to come uh, to know me so mm-hmm. that I can be glorified more. And I mean, yes, in a sense, except for mm-hmm. the fact that um, this is also for our greatest good. Yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah. this is both for God's glory, um, because through yeah. missions, God is magnified and God is glorified. I mean, yet at the same time, through missions, um, we become who we are created to be. And this is our greatest good is to come to know the Father and be restored into a right, right relationship with him. And so, um, and so is this selfish on God's part? Well, yeah, absolutely. But is this selfless on God's part? Well, yeah, absolutely, because this is for the yeah. greatest good um, of yeah. us as well. And so, uh, and so, I think that's uh, important for us to uh, yeah. remember. But I think the uh, I think another thing I'd add, and Chris, you alluded to this a little bit ago, but this idea when Jesus says, "Go to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit." This word "nations" um, is the word in Greek "ethne." Um, and, and, mm-hmm. and maybe even a better translation of it is ethnic groups or, or people groups. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, and so there seems to be this, this idea that like, while God has um, a heart for each individual person on the planet, God also has this heart for people groups. Mm-hmm. And there are, um, and you may or may not know this listening to this, but there are many people groups that we would classify as unreached, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and all over the world, but, but uh, especially, um, you know, uh, uh, over overseas from uh, this particular continent that we're in, mm-hmm. um, and um, that the, these people groups, like the reason that we as a church give ten percent of all uh, tithes and offerings that we take in back into missions, is so that these people groups can be introduced to the gospel, can come to know you know mm-hmm. Jesus as a group, um, and also as individuals, and 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 have their culture transformed by the gospel, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah the, the, yeah. yeah. We, uh, you may, you may think um, that, you know, missiology has something to do with each, like, individual person on the planet coming to know Jesus, and it does. But there's also this element of like, ethnic groups, people groups, nations, yeah. and God wants every every people group to come to know him yeah. uh, through the gospel. Yeah, I think that that actually leads into the next question that, you, that I see here about uh, missiology being important in our context of understanding. And I think uh, an understanding of exactly what you're talking about there, Ben, is really important because— we have this ter- this tendency to um, things we don't understand. We we that are about God in particular, God's heart, God's way of doing things. Is we 
we tend to see them from a human perspective. Like Jared, you were talking about the idea of God being selfish. That's because we're looking at him from our perspective. Mm-hmm. He is wholly other, you know. He is, uh, we, we try to make um, God into a tribal deity all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's our God, he's not your God and my God can beat your God kind of thing. And that's, that's a false paradigm. That's crazy talk because there is, he alone is one. There is none other like him. He's one of a kind. He's unique. He's timeless. He's to whom shall you compare me? As it says in Isaiah, you know, and uh, yeah. And then the other, uh, along with that, under our understanding of, like you said, Ben, the word nation, nations, what nations are, um, and the, how that's actually used in Scripture is, quite honestly, a critical point of understanding as to what God's desire is uh, when he says, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every nation. You know, automatically, we think in geopolitical terms of the lines on a map and things like that and colored space on a big chart, uh, a big piece of paper. But uh, it is indeed, like you said, referring to the ethne or the uh, people groups or the tribes or however you want to denominate that. Um, when we say nation, we usually think of like a sovereign entity, like mm-hmm. the nation, the sovereign nation of Italy or of Cambodia or, or Japan or something like that. And we're thinking geographically. Um, but in the Greek and in the Hebrew, uh, the, the reference has to do with, with ethnicity. And I almost don't, want to use that word because that evokes other thoughts about what that means. It's actually talking about culturally identifiable groups that are identified by culture, not even by skin color, because, you know, there's only so many skin colors. In fact, that I don't think that is relevant to the discussion. It has much more to do with a cultural identity and uh, the community, if you will, and how the gospel comes into a cultural group Um a cool thing about missions is that once the gospel is established well within a particular cultural setting, it tends to grow fairly well um, on its own, so to speak. Like the seed that Jesus referred to that grows and the farmer goes to bed and he doesn't even know how it's growing, but it is because it's been sown and it's been planted. Our problem is we haven't sown enough, frankly, in yeah. a, enough settings for the seed to actually First of all, for the seed to even be understood for what it is, but then for it to to take root. And so um, this all goes back to, you know, what happened again back in Genesis with uh, the fracturing of humanity that followed the fall. And uh, uh, I believe what God is actually doing uh, missiologically, if you will, is that he's what I think of as he's reassembling fractured Adam. Adam has been fractured into all of these facets of like a jewel uh, of humanity. And God is putting all of that in a kind of like Humpty Dumpty, putting it all back Mm. together again in a way that is uh, miraculous and unbelievable. And he's very intentional about it, but he's assigned us a particular role in this that is, is a staggering thing to be part of. But at the same time, um, and it frustrates the enemy. Obviously, the enemy's main work is to frustrate this whole process in whatever way he can. And he does all the time. And uh, so the uh, the peoples and understanding the peoples and the nations and how God sees that um, is directly connected uh, to understanding his heart. 
and how we look at others, you know, and whether in the human way we look at differences as being something to avoid when in fact um, the enemy uses those very barriers between human beings to uh, to um, to do his thing and uh, and God is constantly working against that. Jonah is a good case in point, you know, yeah. getting sent to your enemy, literally the people that are going to chop right. your head off <laughs> and telling them, you know, you need to repent. Dude, that's like, yeah. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's really important, the understanding of who the nations are. Yeah. You know, that, that uh, brings up for me, you talk about how uh, the enemy uses these natural barriers to try to divide us and frustrate the uh, the plans of God. And <clears throat> this is slightly off topic, but this is kind of related. One of the things that is amazing for me, uh, you know, when we look at God's mission, we look at, um, you know, our, our call to carry the gospel to all people groups is uh, <clears throat> there are there are so many things in this world, and this is incredibly um, incredibly evident right now. There are so many things in this world that divide us. You know, we are divided mm. based on language. We are divided based on, uh, you know, area of the world, you know, geographic mm. uh, location. We are divided on, you know, our socioeconomic status. We are divided on our, you know, ethnic background. We are you know, now uh, we're divided on our, uh, you know, political stance on things. And there are so many things that divide us and so many things that don't translate from one people group, from one, uh, you know, subcategory to another. Um, and yet, um, as you mentioned, uh, Chris, is that whenever the gospel goes and takes root in any particular culture, it usually does astoundingly well, um, which I yeah. think uh, shows us uh, something great about the, the the oneness of God and the supremacy mm -hmm. of God is that uh, you know the gospel um, the gospel is true and the gospel uh, fits uh, for all cultures uh, mm -hmm. you know this yeah. isn't something that the gospel isn't something that actually divides us um, the mm -hmm. gospel is actually something that unites us um, yeah. and this is something that is uh, true and uh, relevant for all people groups and so anyway yeah, that's no, that's really good, Jared, and that brings to mind, you know, the whole thing of the idea of the gospel, as you put it so well, uh, becomes a unique thing in each culture, mm -hmm. and yet it's still the same church. Right? It's yeah. amazing. It, it's like okay, you've got uh, you've got the Chinese church, you got the India, and and you know, India's a huge number of nations in itself, but <laughs> you've got the uh, Latino church, you've got all of these different derivations, these different representations of what the seed of the gospel has done in the particular soil of that culture mm. and how that has a plant that looks a little different, but it's still the same plant. Mm. It still has the same DNA, if you will, uh, is going to grow. This is a conversation I had with a, the mother of a, a Japanese student who became a believer while she was in America and we, my wife and I were able to visit in their family and her mother, you know, had real difficulty with her becoming a Jesus follower, a, a Christian, because she thought she would cease to be Japanese. And when I said, no, no, not at all. In fact, this is, this is what the enemy does. He uses it to divide instead of the father's intent is that as we see quite clearly in Revelation 7, there are going to be all those divisions that you mentioned there 
what we call divisions, you know, race and, and ethnicity and uh, language and, you know, the people groups themselves, they're all there and they're all worshiping. And it's, yeah, he did it. You know, he brought it all back together in this incredible way that we will get to see what a, what a blessing that is. But yeah, Unfortunately, sometimes missions hasn't always done a good job of that, you know, and it's basically like we dug up the potted plant and moved it from one culture to another and one, then wondered why it didn't thrive. Right. And it's because we moved the plant instead of planted the seed. And so I think that's really important. Yeah. yeah. Ben, what would you I, add to that? Why is yeah, this important to, for I think, our context? I think <clears throat> understanding missions and missiology is important for our context because um, if God has a heart for the nations and you are made in the image of God, then God wants you to have a heart for the nations. Mm-hmm. And that means that you suddenly, your, your prayer life changes. And you're, and this is yeah. going to bleed into our next question and I'll lead us into it. Um, but your, your prayer life changes, you, your uh, thoughts about what's going on in the world, your thoughts about your neighbors, your thoughts about yeah. um, the people who are coming into our country. Like all of that changes. Um, and, and, and suddenly you realize that the gospel is bigger than it's bigger than making sure your kids are baptized, making sure you, you know, you and your, and your spouse are baptized and then, um, moving on and, and, you know, coming to church when you need to come to church and, and maybe even telling, bringing a friend or two to church. Like it becomes bigger than that. It becomes, you're a part of this, this great mission that God has been trying to accomplish from the beginning of time. And he's using yeah. you to do it. And he's given you the words to share with other people. And so. Yeah. It changes your heart, it changes your thoughts, it changes your actions, and you suddenly become this person that's on mission rather than this person that's yeah. um, just doing what they're yeah. you know supposed mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. And, uh, Absolutely. And, yeah. Uh, and that looks different for everybody. Um, like I said, I'll transition into this next, uh, this next uh, question, this final question. Um, understanding that God has a heart for the nations and wants us to have a heart for the nations, um, how then does this change how we live? Mm, you yeah. know, how do I respond and what do I do? Yeah, um, I'll go ahead and kick off there, uh, <clears throat> you know, in broad general terms, uh, you know, not specifics, but um, I think for all of us, as you mentioned, you know, this looks a little bit different for each of us individually um, um, on how we live this out. Um, but one of the things I think is that when we uh, understand God's heart for missions, um, and not only that, but we uh, recognize that uh, we are we are part of God's mission. You know, we're not just the people God mm. is... Uh, that God has sent to save, but we are the people that God is sending to save. Uh, you know, we yeah, are playing an yeah. active role in God's mission. And so one of the things that I think is important for us, um, especially in our cultural context, if you will, is that oftentimes I think we have the tendency to, uh, you know, divorce the, uh, you know, the religious aspects of our lives from the secular aspects of our life. And so church mm-hmm. is a thing we do on Sunday and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, prayer is a thing we do before meals with our family, possibly, I don't know, but we have this area of our lives and then we've got our jobs or we've got our friends or we've got our mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but when we we, I think when we step back and we see that God's uh, grand purposes for all of creation is to redeem and reconcile all people, uh, all peoples uh, to himself, 
and that he's using us as a part of that, I think that helps us to uh, reshape or rethink our understanding um, of the mm-hmm. purpose and the meaning of the things that we do. And so mm-hmm. our jobs is not just, uh, you know, I'm going into the, you know, to the factory to make, you know, such and such project or product. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. going to my sales job or I'm going to whatever. Um, but mm-hmm. we see those instead as um, avenues by which God is redeeming um, all of creation. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, through our job, through our vocation, we are both mm-hmm. um, bringing glory to God and we are inviting those around us into God's story of redemption and reconciliation and so mm-hmm. our our uh, not just our showing up to church you know for an hour or two on Sunday morning but you know our going to work becomes about God's mm-hmm. glory our interactions yeah. with our friends um, um, and most people you know kind of you know maybe buck a little bit that does that mean that I'm supposed to every single person I see say hey have you known Jesus you know do you know Jesus or are you saved where and and I mean maybe uh, at, at times but uh, but maybe not necessarily all the time but that's um, but it it reshifts our understanding of the things that we do mm-hmm. um, to uh, instead of just being a way to make money and provide for our family but um, mm-hmm. our job then becomes a way for us to uh, uh, participate in God's grand narrative of redemption yeah. and restoration for all things. And, so. I, and Chris, I want to hear your thoughts on this, but I just want to add something before we mm-hmm. before we lose the topic. Please. Well, I I think that we can fall into a trap, and this is something I've noticed with my generation and and maybe the one uh, previous before it, um, that we that we read the Great Commission and we think <laughs> that that's a good thought for a minister. You know, they're the ones who sh- who should mm-hmm. be going out and sharing the gospel. I'll bring my friends to church, and then my minister can introduce them to Jesus. And we make mm-hmm. the great commission about just bring like bringing our friends to church. And actually, mm-hmm. like this is for all Christians, and God deeply desires for you to have mm-hmm. conversations about the gospel mm-hmm. with the people that God has put into your life, and to mm-hmm. do it in in a way that is uh, maybe maybe tactful, and do it in a way that is. Um, uh, uh, um, wise mm-hmm. and to build up that relationship and, and, to, and, and loving and to build that relationship to where you can have that conversation. Mm-hmm. But God wants you to have that conversation. And yeah. one of my deepest desires for this church is that we it would suddenly be filled with a bunch of people who, um, who, who their heart's not just, okay, I'm going to bring my friends to church. Although that's, that's, that's a great, that's a great starting point. Right. But, but actually yeah. the, it would be filled with people who are like, I'm going to, I'm going to share these words of Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, with, with my, with my friends, family and neighbors. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I I totally resonate with that, and the I think you know too often, um, and I've been in ministry a long time, but too often I've utilized you know the tool of guilt to try to get people to do things, yeah. and and it's not there's there's an element of truth to it. I mean, there's you know there things that we should have done, and uh, and oftentimes have failed, but I come to the conclusion that the more deeply we move in the direction of the heart of God. The more he will give us that if we have the courage to go there, mm-hmm. you know, with him. What I mean by that is with him. And uh, he will, you know, our prayer life will change for one thing. Our prayer life will start shifting away from how I pray. And it's not like I don't have needs. And, and it's also I don't want to I want to make this clear. It's not like physical needs don't matter because mm-hmm. they do. But at the same time, what is on his heart? What is it that he is waiting to hear us pray for? <laughs> and it's like he has this immense power and willingness uh, to see his purposes move forward. And somehow he's linked it to, I need you to ask me for it, you know? Mm-hmm. And 
Um, I think that, for instance, uh, Jesus telling the disciples, you know, in, in Matthew 9, you know, pray the Lord the harvest, raise up labors for the harvest, that when that happens, uh, it's because the, the disciple the, himself or herself is actually getting a glimpse of the heart of the Lord. And then that becomes important to them. And uh, it changes how you pray. Seeing all this, uh, it also changes how you look at yourself, uh, changes how you allocate your resources. It changes um, how you decide what your priorities are for the day. Even like um, I've got some on post-it stuck here to my desk that are related to this. And um, the enemy, again, Jared, it's good that you're talking about this because the enemy, the enemy utilizes fear always. Mm-hmm always uses fear and it's fear oftentimes of the unknown or it's fear of the different or it's fear of something that's not i don't understand this and so i know i don't want to go there and uh whenever the lord comes into our situation whatever it is he's always going to say the same thing he did it all the time in the new testament he said fear not i am with you and it's like okay, I do have misgivings about this, or I don't know where this is all going to go, but I do know this matters to you, and therefore it matters to me. And so I'm going to move forward and trust that, that um, this, is, this is going to be a reflection of who you are. Yeah. Um, a lot of times this comes down to how we look at, on, you know, if I can just be plain on this, the immigrant populations and things like that, and does that just turn into a discussion of economics? You know, is that what that's about? Um, are the streets of heaven, you know, not speaking to some element of that? I mean, it's like, is, is that why we do what we do and we do all for the glory of God? Well, he's made pretty clear how that happens. And it's, it's bringing together all of humanity. It's not by, it's not by happenstance that he sent Peter, who was the least likely prospect to see a Roman centurion who was the least likely prospect mm. to be a, a seeker and to break all of the presuppositions that were present in that. And then to take it to the local church and say, Hey, I know this looks crazy, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It looks <laughs> super crazy. And yet it's, it's obviously the Lord. And so, yeah, if anything, I just like to encourage people to turn the nations into faces. And by that, I mean into specific people, because the nations are right here, right now, yeah. right among us. And uh, they're all over the place. And I'm, I'm in Joplin, you know, it's hardly the cosmopolitan center of the universe. <laughs> but it, but there's like nations everywhere here. And uh, yeah. one of the guys I'm praying for on this post-it is, yeah, not from around here anywhere. And yeah. so... Yeah, it's like uh, having our eyes open to see what he sees. Yeah, that's great. I uh, one of the things, if I could go back a little bit um, in uh, you know how this changes how we live is uh, going back a little bit to a, a previous comment that we talked about as God being the first uh, missionary, mm-hmm. um, and in this you see you know God uh, God doesn't wait for Adam and Eve to go all right uh, you know we messed yeah. up we uh, I guess we better go you know confess our sin to God right. and and you know see if we're actually gonna die or what's gonna happen you know God takes that first initiative step he goes um, 
and then, uh, you know, he is, uh, after that, he sends people, you know, he sends Jonah, he sends the prophets, um, <clears throat> and yeah. then, you know, you come to the Gospels, and um, God doesn't wait, whatever, God takes the initiative, God um, uh, is, it comes through the incarnate, you know, his incarnate son, Jesus, he comes and he takes on flesh, um, but uh, I love, you know, the Great Commission version in John, uh, you refer to this how there's, you know, it's kind of in each, uh, in each gospel we see a picture of that. The way Jesus says it in John is, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Um, then you go yeah. to, you know, Acts, and it's, you know, go, mm -hmm. therefore. Um, and so we see this picture of going, um, mm -hmm. and yet... Uh, at the same time, that going isn't, in some cases it is, but in some cases, that going isn't always a, what that means is sell everything you have and move to Cambodia or wherever. Um, and uh, what that looks like is this picture of incarnation. Mm -hmm. God goes to the people wherever he's at. Mm -hmm. Jesus comes to the yeah. people. In fact, even in, the, even in Acts, as the church is scattered, most of the apostles stayed there in Jerusalem and proclaim yeah. the gospel to the people exactly. that were around them. And so yeah. sometimes I think the idea of mission scares us because we think, oh, missions mm -hmm. means I've got to uh, move across the world or at least move into the inner city or something like that, um, when the reality is um, there are people in need of the gospel mm -hmm. all around us. Um, going yeah. is just as much to your next-door neighbor as it is to the person across the world, and yet God sends us to live amongst the people where mm -hmm. we are at, at our jobs, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, um, and to carry that message of the gospel. And so um, so I think that's yeah. important for us to... Yeah, and, and yeah like in Acts 13... Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, in Acts 13, he says, set aside Saul and Barnabas for the work to which I appointed them, and they sent them out. Right. They were the exception. He mm -hmm. didn't send the whole church of Antioch. Yeah. He sent sent two messengers that were specially prepared for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah unfortunately, it, you, like you said, when we hear go, we go, oh, well, that's, yeah, we need to send somebody else. And that doesn't mean me talking to my neighbor or yeah. or meeting a Latino down the street or something like that. Mm -hmm. it, it's something else. And uh, sadly, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're missing it. We're missing yeah what God's putting right in front of us, like he did Peter, you know, he said, I got to set this up and I got to make it super obvious that this is what I want you to do. And, and I can do that if you want me to. So yeah, it's really good. I think one thing to mention, uh, Chris, you mentioned that, you know, sometimes God, especially in our context in the U S brings the nations to us. And, yeah. you know, we in Clarksville have, you know, this opportunity. I mean, not, not only is our community multicultural, um, but also like, you know, we have, you know, Austin P here in town, mm -hmm. and I'm, you know, sure that there are, you know, international students who are there who, you know, people in our church may feel led to um, meet and, and know and, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, kind of live this truth out. I mean, we are 45 minutes from Nashville, where, you know, there are um, certainly multicultural things right. going on there as well. Um, and so we have opportunities right here in our community to, uh, to reach the nations. Um, but also, and I think you guys have hinted at this, and I want to just kind of concisely put it, you know, when it comes to intercultural missions or, or, or international missions, um, really, biblically, there are two, two parties. There's the goers, and that's the, the few, the, the Paul and the Barnabas, like you talked mm -hmm. about, Chris, who go overseas and who, and, and, and who or, or across borders and, and, and uh, 
preach the gospel to the nations um, mm-hmm. and, and, and establish churches and plant churches in places. And, 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 and that may be somebody in our church. And if it is somebody in our church, we hope and we pray that you um, say yes to God's call and you mm-hmm. talk to us about it and, 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 and we can start asking mm-hmm. questions about how we can accomplish that. Um, but that's not everybody. That's not most people. Yeah. The other party are the senders. And, and, right. and so the, you not being a goer is no excuse not to have a heart for the nations. Mm-hmm. And so there's this, there's this idea of senders. And it's the people who financially, prayerfully, um, lovingly send people out to, uh, to uh, share the gospel across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like I hinted at before, we give 10% of our, um, of our tithes and offerings into missions um, and support several mm-hmm. missionaries. But that, you know, that, your money is not the only thing that, you know, is required of you to be a sender. And, and, and I know that our yeah. missions team would be so appreciative of um, if several members of our church reached out and said, hey, you know, hey, can you give me a missionary to pray for or to send an email to, to you know, encourage or to, um, yeah. or, or to practice, you know, pract- practically, um, you know, be a sender and be a supporter of a particular, you know, missionary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so to have a heart for the nations means that you are, you know, praying for yeah. specific missionaries and specific missions, uh, so financially supporting if you can, and, um, and and doing everything you can to see the gospel sent out while also uh, sharing with the people who are right next to you. Yeah. Right. I think that's really good. Well, uh, uh, this wasn't on our list here, but just to kind of wrap up, Chris, I'd love to give you the opportunity to um, kind of give a, a final word here or whatever. Um, but just for um, for people who maybe have been on the fence, you know, both in our church or, or anybody that's listening, mm-hmm. uh, uh, how would you encourage people um, just to grow in their heart for missions? What would you say uh, to people to um, encourage them to, you know, whatever it means, just to jump on board? Mm-hmm. Um, so I know yeah. I'm kind of hitting you blind here. We didn't. Uh, this was. <laughs> that's cool but, but what would you that's say good. yeah well i've got things to say there but uh no i would say um ask the lord <laughs> just plain out ask him what that would look like and be willing to to take the step that he indicates when that comes because it will um in particular looking in uh, in terms of uh, the nations that are right here among us if in fact we're going to which we will we're going to stand at the throne of god with people from every nation tribe uh, tongue and lang- and tongue and people, you know, from around the the universe or from around the the whole story of history. Um, let's get to know them now. You know, let's uh, let's 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 discover who they are because they are right here, uh, far more than we realize. And so, asking the Lord uh, to show to show you particularly uh, who that might be, and and not worry about what to say. Most of most of this is presence. Most of it is uh, you already know what to say. It's just putting yourself in a position to be able to say it. And so, uh, yeah, I strongly encourage that. We've started a, a thing where now where we're uh, our intercultural studies students that are preparing themselves to literally go to other places in the world. Uh, we're insisting that they have connection with internationals that are right here in Joplin before they go. And it's not like you're going to suddenly magically love people by getting on a plane uh you, you have to look at what god is putting in front of you right where you are so and then not be afraid you know not be afraid fear not i'm with you and uh there's so many wonderful things that can happen as you get to know people um and just hear their stories and find out about their children find out about uh their story from you know like their culture of origin that type of thing there's amazing stories that are out there 
a lot of times we just never even think to ask about. So I'd say uh, having um, some openness in that direction and ask the Lord uh, for what he can do. And it'll be amazing to see what happens. Yeah. Thanks so much. Appreciate that. Yeah. Chris, yeah. Um, we are so appreciative that you guys, that you uh, joined us uh, today and uh, yeah. helped us to understand God's heart for missions. Um, and Amen. we hope and we pray that um, the, the, sermon that was uh preached yesterday um w- was helpful for for that as well and uh and we hope and we pray that god would uh create a heart for each and every one of you uh for the nations and so um this is for the time being going to wrap up our roundtable discussions we are in discussions about the roundtable discussions so stay tuned um and uh we thank you for uh kind of being a part of this napkin theology series and we're uh, excited to see what god does with it so uh, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. We uh, love you, church, and we'll see you again on Sunday.